On a typical autumn afternoon, sunlight filtered gently through the window. 69-year-old Shun Hong carefully turned the pages of a photographic tome. These images, taken by American photographers Sidney D. Gamble and his brother Clarence during their 1908 expedition to China, seemed to transport him to a different time. Professor Shun Hung of Zhejiang University's College of Foreign Languages is the editor and translator of this book. With a touch of nostalgia, he points to a hand-tinted photograph. Many of the photographs in this book were hand-tinted in color. That's very rare because those photographs were taken in 1908. Those colored photographs are very artistic. For example, you know, uh, this was taken uh, in front of the Jingzi temple that uh, Emperor Kangxi and Qianlong, they named 10 scenic spots uh, around the lake. And uh, in this place, there are two scenic spots here. One is Nanping Wanzong, the other is Leifeng Xizhao. But this place now is totally different. So their pictures preserved very historical memory for the residents of Hangzhou. Hangzhou, the capital of Zhejiang province, boasts a rich tapestry of history and stunning visuals such as the West Lake. And while these photographs predate Shun's own memories, they weave seamlessly into his personal narrative. I was born in Hangzhou in the 1950s. And these pictures were taken uh, in 1908. These scenes uh, looked familiar to me, but I never saw with my own eyes these scenes. But I know uh, where they are. When I was young, this river still exists, but later it disappeared, became a uh, road. Those photographs recorded uh, what the local people of Hangzhou looked like. These children are very interesting. For Shun Hong, these old photographs are links to the past. Uh, as, as a local person, I have a deep feeling with my hometown. And when I saw those scenes I never seen before, uh, I was very excited, especially those colored pictures. Born into an intellectual family in Hangzhou, Shun Hong's early years were deeply influenced by his parents, both of whom were English teachers. My parents had a good collection of English literary works, especially the novels in English. To be able to read and understand uh, these books uh, was the goal and the driving force to my study of English. Uh, my parents supported me. They, they helped me in getting various English textbooks. And they also bought me a shortwave radio. The Cultural Revolution was a period of inclusion. We were literally cut off from any information from the outside world. English opened a window for me to look outside and enabled me to learn more about the outside world. Driven by a powerful motivation to master English on his own terms, Shun immersed himself into the world of classic literature. Within his family library, he navigated the captivating worlds of Dickens especially tales such as Great Expectations and A Tale of Two Cities. He delved into the social intricacies of Vanity Fair by Thackeray and became engrossed in Victor Hugo's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
Yet, amidst these literary gems, it was Thomas Hardy's Jude the Obscure that resonated most deeply within him. Uh, the story of Hardy's Jude the Obscure especially moved me because I emphasized uh, with the fictional character of Jude. Jude was a poor laborer uh, working in the field, uh, not far from the uh, University of Oxford. And when he was young, a local priest taught him Latin, and he studied Latin for many years. His dream uh, was that someday he could get his way uh, into a college like University of Oxford. At that time, I was working uh, in a factory, and I also studied English for many years. And I have the same dream. Amidst the din of factory machinery, Shun sought solace in the written word, diligently pursuing self-study during his breaks. His persistence paid off in 1977, when China reintroduced the Gaokao, or the National College Entrance Exams. That pivotal year, Shun Hung was admitted to Peking University's Department of Western Languages. Life at Peking University during that era was austere. The vast dining hall, a mere bamboo enclosure, housed thousands of people, often dining amid the dust-laden winds of northern China. Yet, for Shun, the tangible hardships were overshadowed by a profound intellectual richness. Our textbooks were all oil printed uh, on coarse and yellow paper, but everyone understood that their learning opportunity did not come easily, so everyone studied very hard. Extracurricular activities were very rich, and there are many student clubs, uh, among which the student art troupe is of very high standard and often perform jointly with the Central Orchestra and also visits abroad from time to time. The late 1970s marked a transformative period in China. With the nation's embrace of reform and opening up policies, university campuses burgeoned into hubs of intellectual renaissance. Debates, speeches, poetry readings and art festivals painted a vibrant tapestry of college life. This liberating environment fueled Shun's aspirations further. He was inspired to pen an English essay titled, I Have a Dream. In that essay, I talked about my feelings after reading Martin Luther King's famous speech and recalled how I realized my own dream of going to Peking University by learning uh, English on my own. I think uh, it is necessary to have dreams in life uh, so that you can live it to the fullest. With a dream, there is a goal to strive for accordingly to be able to drum up the courage to study and work hard and strive to be able to realize their dreams. In 1988, during his PhD studies at Peking University, Shun experienced a pivotal moment in his academic journey when he was granted the opportunity to be a visiting scholar at Oxford University. Uh, my experience of studying and living in Oxford had been one of the most uh, memorable experiences in my life. My college, St. Edmund Hall, has a very long history. 
and looks like a medieval castle from outside. When I arrived at the college,、uh, I was given a key,、uh, which could open the door of the college, as well as the library, the computer room, the laundry room,、uh, which was tantamount of handing over the entire college campus. Oxford uh, then uh, was a paradise for readers.、Uh, each college had its own library, and it was easy. To use the collections there, as it was to use the collection at home. I often、uh, went in、uh, from the opening、uh, of the door in the morning, and then came out at the closing of the library in the evening, and spent the whole day there, traveling in the world of books,、uh, deeply impressed by、uh, the magic power、uh, of those books. The pillars of his Oxford experience extended beyond mere architectural marvels or literary wonders. It was the enlightening academic environment that truly sculpted Shun's intellectual pursuits. I myself feel that the best thing I got out of Oxford was the development of my critical sense、uh, through close、uh, weekly contact with my tutor. My tutor often asked me、uh, to read authoritative、uh, treatises and asked me to find out、uh, the mistakes and shortcomings in the books. Since then, I no longer read books with blind faith in authority, but rather analyze the idea、uh, in the books with a critical eye or spirit. The second gain、uh, is the teaching style. Of my tutor,、uh, whenever I encounter a difficult problem, he never told me the answer directly, but would ask me a lot of questions、uh, until I I found out the right answer by myself. It was during that time when Shun's academic path became clear. After completing his project at Oxford and returning to China in 1989, Shun joined the academic staff of Peking University. That same year, he introduced a course on the cataloging of Western texts. As Peking University's library neared its 90th anniversary, Shun was entrusted with the task of evaluating and documenting its vast collection of Western texts—books that had collected dust in the basement for decades, written in an array of languages from Latin to English, German, French, and Portuguese. The collection of rare books in Western languages. Had a total of more than 2,000 volumes, mainly from the former、uh, Yanjing University,、uh, National Peking University, Fuzhen University, Chinese and French University, and the Sino-German Institute.、Uh, since 1949, they had been sealed,、uh, not open to public. I spent half a year、uh, making cards for each book, noting down uh, the content, uh, characteristics, and the values、uh, of the book. During this meticulous process, Shun stumbled upon a remarkable discovery. Many of these texts, authored by foreigners, spotlighted China. They contained invaluable old photographs and illustrations, many captured by missionaries, diplomats. 
traders and explorers. These visual accounts offered a fresh, unseen perspective of China's history. These books are very large in number, and the earliest of them can also be traced back to the 16th century, when Jesuits came to China. It was from the letters they sent to Europe that Westerners learned about the wonders uh, of China in the East. Later books uh, written by foreigners about China in the 19th and early 20th centuries have preserved a large number of pictures and old photographs of the country. They opened my eyes to all aspects of social life in China. It was from then, from then on, that I had a strong desire to learn, learn more about the story behind uh, these old photographs. Shen says, fueled by this discovery, he embarked on a profound journey, curating a plethora of vintage photos and first-hand Western accounts. This quest expanded Shen's understanding of China and uncovered numerous deviations from established history. Cases included the accurate establishing date of the Library of Peking University. Traditional accounts stated that the Library of the Imperial Peking University was founded in 1903. However, Shun's research from Western sources suggested 1899 as the actual foundation year. Shun Hung subsequently published an article proposing this correction. However, it was met with doubt and criticism from the academic community. Unwavering in the face of academic hesitancy, Shun persistently delved deeper into Chinese historical archives. His dedication paid off as he finally unearthed old photographs that provided indisputable proof. A decade later, Peking University officially acknowledged 1899 as the genuine foundation year of its library. For Shun, the enduring power of photographs resides in their tangible nature. They serve as undeniable historical markers, illuminating details and settling debates. Uh, images are more direct than words, can bring people back to, uh, to the scene of historical events. People uh, seem to be able to see with their own eyes. As the old saying goes, uh, seeing is believing. Uh, this sense of immediacy uh, makes images more persuasive than words. Some controversial details often appear uh, in historical narratives, uh, making people often argue and get entangled over uh, the authenticity uh, of the de detail. But if uh, there is a clear photograph uh, of the scene, all the details uh, can be seen uh, clearly, and uh, controversy can automatically disappear. From the early 1990s, Shen Hung's academic pursuits took him overseas, frequently visiting and conducting post-doctoral research at top-tier universities and prominent public libraries worldwide. Whenever I visit a foreign university library, I always try to find out uh, if there is a collection of um, Sinology or Chinese studies there, because uh, many of those books contain pictures of photographs about China. 
uh, usually I will go into the stacks and uh, look through the books on the shelves to see if there's any uh, textual or pictorial material that I had not seen before. If I found interesting books, I will uh, pick them out and read them carefully and uh, take notes. To me, the library is like a gold mine. Uh, if you can dig hard enough, you are sure uh, to find treaties. In 2003, while at the University of Bristol Library, Shun Hung chanced upon an extensive collection of the Illustrated London News. Launched in 1842, this pioneering magazine was the first to capture global events through imagery, with a significant emphasis on China. Stationing artists and journalists in China from 1857 onwards, it offered first-hand accounts of major historical events accompanied by evocative sketches. In his exploration, Shen Hung rediscovered pieces of China's forgotten history, vividly colored by cultural details. One standout was the February 26, 1927 feature, the first Chinese film, The Legend of the Willow Pattern Plate. It spoke of the first Chinese film showcased abroad, a venture born from a collaboration between British filmmakers in Shanghai and native Chinese actors with its most captivating scenes shot amidst the scenic beauty of Hangzhou. Yet bafflingly, it remained absent from Chinese film archives. Uh, it's a traditional story uh, which was painted on the so-called willow pattern plate. It's a traditional story about a young uh, intellectual falling in love with the daughter of a rich, of a rich man. But uh, her father promised her to a high official. So they eloped uh, from the, the girl's home uh, and they lived in an isolated island. And uh, the high official was very envious and he sent soldiers to the island and uh, killed uh, the young man. It's a tragic story, but also a very romantic story. Uh, it was shown in London in 1927, and uh, the queen, queen's mother, and uh, some member uh, of the royal family, they came to the ceremony uh, of the, the first shown of this Chinese film. I was was surprised to know that this film was not, uh, is not to be found uh, in the history of Chinese films. The Queen, referred to in 1927, was Queen Mary, the consort of King George V. Discoveries like these propelled Shen Hung on a mission to preserve and showcase these invaluable glimpses of China as perceived by the West. Since 2014, he's been laboriously compiling and publishing the series China's Lost History in the West, a narrative that encapsulates how Western media chronicled China's transformative years from the late 1800s to the early 20th century. Shen Hong believes this was a pivotal juncture when China found itself balancing between its traditions and incoming Western influences. These chronicles serve not just as reminders of a bygone time, but as beacons for the future. There are two lessons to be learned uh, from the history. First, uh, we cannot go back to the backwardness of the original closed-door, isolated state. Uh, 
Rather, we must remain open to the outside world. At the same time,、uh, we should、uh, endeavor to strengthen ourselves, actively participate in international affairs, and rely on our own strengths、uh, to become one of the world's、uh, strong nation. Secondly,、uh, we should welcome international cultural exchanges. Take the strengths of others to make up for our weaknesses, and constantly learn from the advanced ideas and technologies of others, while at the same time、uh, being willing、uh, to actively help the backward countries and people. Shenhong emphasizes the importance of reflecting on historical nuances for contemporary insights, a cornerstone of his scholarly endeavors. Because history、uh, often repeats itself, and、uh, we study the history of the past、uh, interactions among、uh, the world's great powers, in order to be able to find some uh, regularities uh, that can guide. The strategy and methods、uh, that our country should adopt in the current participation in international interactions and international competition. In the quest to piece together China's past through foreign lenses, Shenhong fostered deep connections, especially with the families of those who captured moments, emotions, and the essence of China in the dawn of the 20th century. Among them was missionary Robert Ferris Fitch, who, along with his family, once lived in Hangzhou for a while. Echoing this legacy, Roy Sewell, Fitch's grandson, armed with a camera, embarked on a journey to revisit the landscapes that once caught his grandfather's eye.、Uh, his grandson was a professional photographer. During his first visit, he arrived first in Beijing, then he took a, a tour of the. Whole country. He repeated the route、uh, of his、uh, grandfather to take pictures. He brought his best camera and made this tour to see、uh, what his grandfather、uh, once traveled. He took more than five thousand photographs. Uh, then uh, he gave a talk to my student,、uh, talking about his grandfather's photographs. And his own experience、uh, when traveling in China. On his next visit, accompanied by his son and architect daughter, they explored the ancestral home. And when we visit the house where his grandparents、uh, and his mother once lived, his daughter made sketches,、uh, made pictures of every room in that house. When they first came. They wanted to see the chapel on the campus, but the chapel was used as a storeroom.、Uh, was locked. We could not get in. But his mother uh, mentioned uh, in his in her memoir that she was engaged in this chapel.、Uh, that's why he wanted very much to go in to see、uh, what it was like. Ultimately, with Shenhong's assistance, they managed to step inside the chapel, unveiling not just an old chapel, but whispers of love and echoes of a bygone China. This meticulous scholar has always had a passion for poetry, attributing this love to his university days.
We had very good American teacher du- during the first year and second year of our university life. In her uh, classes, I learned quite a few English poems by heart. That is one of the the most beneficial things for me because later, when I went to England,、uh, the, the Lake District, those poems by William Wordsworth. Uh, which I learned by heart earlier, came out automatically. <laughs> Whenever I saw a scene, I I can recite a poem、uh, by William Wordsworth. Shen Hong recalls the first day he arrived in London. And after dinner, we went out for a walk, and we came to the Westminster Bridge.、Uh, Wordsworth wrote a poem called "Upon Westminster Bridge." Earth has not anything to show more fair. Thou would be of soul who could pass by a sight so touching in its majesty. This city now does like garment wear the beauty of the morning, silent, bare. Ships, towers, doom, theatres, open unto the field and to the sky, all bright and glittering in the smokeless air. Ne'er did sun more beautifully steep in his first splendor. In the poem, he described the scene in early morning, but when we were there, it was at dusk. But、uh, what I see is exactly the picture he described in his poem. In the eyes of scholar Shen Hong, the rigorous scientific aspect of historical research complements the romance and softness of literature and art. I think all scholarly study,、uh, including literary, artistic, and historical、uh, study, they they are just the same. First, you have to have a critical eye or critical spirit. You can find out where the problem is, and then when you argue your own point, you have to find the evidence, especially strong evidence. Uh, to prove your argument, in the end, all studies follow the same or similar method. You have to spend a lot of time. That's often the key to success. Same with the photographs. You know, when you spend a lot of time doing research, you find、uh, those photographs which other people didn't see. With that, we conclude this episode of Footprints. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to our reporter Lu Chang. I'm Bob Jones. If you're interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary people in China, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Just key in "footprints" and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.